1: i'm eddie gibbs and welcome once again to off the wall the podcast here on anfield index where we like to give you a small flavor of some of the content that's available over on the paywall side of our channel at anfield index pro now around one year ago today i was sitting in a park basking in sunshine uh in madrid uh, alongside uh, gags tandon and adam Patruccioni. darren lewis was there too and we were recording a podcast about uh prospects of what promised to be an amazing day uh, an amazing night in Madrid and obviously it did turn out that that was the case and what experience that was I can't believe it's a year ago and uh, who'd have thought we'd all been in a lockdown situation uh with all the impact of coronavirus one year on but uh let's not talk about that let's talk about Madrid and uh we're going to bring you a show, uh, obviously one of the things we do over on Anfield Index Craft, every game is, is our post-match Raw show, and we're going to bring you one like no other, uh, Trev Downey, uh, hosts it with, uh, Harry Setty and Dave Hendrick, and, uh, there's guests, I think I even get in there from the, uh, from the Plaza in Madrid after the game at some point, uh, Gags Tandon will be in there, and a few others, I think, that were, uh, out on the streets of Madrid celebrating number six, uh, coming back to to Liverpool obviously the one downside of being in Madrid and there wasn't many was that it was impossible to get back for the parade the next day pretty much but there must have been about 60,000 Liverpool fans in that square when uh, Jamie Webster and the guys were banging out their tunes and uh, the mad scramble for those without tickets obviously uh, a few did go up to the stadium and managed to get in uh well done to them. Uh, I, I'm, Hamza's story still amazes me. He got in without a ticket. and Managed to watch the game. I, I don't know how he managed that. Uh, the rest of us are uh, kind of all descended to bars and things around uh, around the city, trying to find the best TV spot. And in the end, uh, Adam Petrucci only came up trumps with uh, with a suggestion of Tony Romer's of all places, uh, a sort of a restaurant uh, in the in in the city, a chain of restaurants. I mean, you can't imagine it. But massive tv screens everywhere and, i mean the bar was just literally full of liverpool fans and what a great experience we all had uh in that bar and uh and then take it to the streets afterwards where we kind of sang our songs and then met up with the likes of gags and Herenda that had been at the stadium afterwards so it's some brilliant and this is this is the memories that we have from from 12 months ago today and Literally everyone, everyone just rocked up at that square uh, afterwards to celebrate and it was an um, amazing night, it really was. There was Steve P, there was uh, Marty Lofron there was Jay, there was loads of the guys that you know on Unfield Index, and I'm probably uh, forgetting some of there as well, so I apologise to them, but what an experience it was and what, what a joy to be able to look back on these things. It wasn't the best game, everyone knows that, but for anyone like myself that had been in the stadium in Kiev the year before, uh, I think that experience of Kiev is what spurred everyone on to Madrid and to this season that we've just had now where uh, we're almost certainly gonna end that 30-year wait for that elusive Premier League title so I mean these are the experiences that mold you that make you if you like and uh, Madrid was pretty much the tipping point uh for that Liverpool winning that number six so let's uh let's hear from trev and the guys in a minute uh some of the other stuff out on anfield index pro just now you've got a whole raptor podcast i mean it's not going to be long now that's a the real the real good thing until premier league football returns and our normal sort of routine of content can be restored uh and we're really looking forward to that i mean it's going to be a different way of covering it with no fans in the uh in the stadiums but we're going to do our best to try and uh to try and get people in touch with Liverpool Football Club during that period, uh, which is sure to be a joyous one in, in the best way that we can, and we have a few ideas surrounding that. So what else could you be listening to right now? Well, the Scouser Tommies, uh, that's a show that Jim Boardman did. He did it with me this week, of all people. Is he's doing backstories of people's background as Liverpool fans, uh, how they became Liverpool fans, how they got in involved in fan media, how they subsequently got involved in Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, so uh, that was a real walk down memory lane for me uh, with Jim Borden and that one. There's Retro Reds, Mike Nevin, uh, he he was talking about match day programs, I'm sure you all collected them as kids, and he talks about the impact of them on Liverpool Football Club over the years, obviously Mike with this uh, photographic memory that he has, it was quite, a, quite an interesting uh, show, that one. There's old school Dave Hendrick and Gags Tandon taking questions from, from listeners on a whole host of subjects, and in their usual style, Uh, So go have a listen to that one. There's Minefield, the podcast on uh, sports psychology. Uh, Andrew Vinson and Alan O'Donoghue talk about culture. They've just done a mini-series on culture, and this was episode six of that, about the culture of this Jurgen Klopp side. Uh, Really brilliant series, that one. There's uh, AI Scouted as well, uh, Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett looking at the potential hotshots from around Europe, the, the real big prospects that people should be keeping their eye on, uh, not just in a lovable sense, but just in general, uh, in, in football, uh, some of the, some of those big names that you'll probably be hearing about in the, in the months and years to come as football kind of attempts to get back to normal. So to enjoy all this fantastic content on AI Pro, we wanted to let you know that you can currently get AI Pro free for 30 days instead of the usual seven days. There's not going to be too long left on that offer now. So if you want to get 30 days, free instead of the usual seven all you have to do to sign up is head to anfieldindexpro.com There is zero obligation to continue after the 30 days and you can cancel at any point. If you do decide to stick around and uh, obviously we hope you will, then the cost is only £3.49 per month or £39.99 per year. Now, we'd love to hear your feedback on this show you're about to listen to on any of the shows that we do on Anfield Index or Anfield Index Pro. And the best way to do that is by joining our free Discord community. Uh, There's some great debate and chat on there. It really is worth your while. I say it every time, but I can't emphasize enough how how much it'll uh improve your experience of being a Liverpool fan with the sort of debate that you can have on there is far different to the sort of uh post board bulletin style of, uh, of Twitter and Facebook. So it's AnfieldIndex.com forward slash Discord. D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Really worth your while. Get, get on over there and join up. Alternatively, we are on the normal socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook just by typing in Anfield Index or on Twitter. Two handles for you. We're at Anfield Index and at Anfield Index Pro. So without further ado, here is the joy of Madrid. It's, uh, post-match raw with trev downey dave hendrick and carl Matcher and harry Setti, four contributors to this one and uh, this was called we won it six
0: times won it
2: six times we won it six times in Madrid, in Spain. We won it six times. Hello and welcome to your final post-match row of the season on AI Pro. I am Trev Denny. I am podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland, from my field, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Tottenham nil Liverpool two in the Champions League final from the Wanda Metropolitano Stadium. Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett and Harry Sethi, and we'll have a whole ga- gang of extras coming in later on as well. Mr. Hendrick, for one last time this season, I go to you first and I go to you saying we are the six times champions of Europe. It's the sweetest sentence I could possibly oh, open say it,
3: with. Say it to me again,
2: Trev. Six times champions of Europe, brother. Do
3: you know what? Today, I was I was thinking about last year. I was thinking about the game last year. I was thinking about the podcast we did after the game last year.
2: Same. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Couldn't stop I thinking about it. What, what am I going to that. say?
3: Yeah, that's it. I went and I listened to last year's, and I saw us trying to put a brave face on what was a horrendous night. There's no need for that this year. Lads, I, I, this team have done what they set out to do. European champions and not just European champions unquestionably the best team in Europe like when we won it in 2005 we finished fifth in England we weren't anywhere close to the best team in in Europe this year we are the number one team in Europe we finished second in England by one point we've won the Champions League going two rounds further than City did not just that look at who we need to get here PSG, Napoli, Bayern Barca, Spurs, five of the ten best teams in Europe. If anybody tries to tell you that this Liverpool team are not the best team in Europe, you feel free to smack them in the face because they're telling lies.
2: They're telling lies, man. They're telling lies because we are the six-time champions of Europe. And it is, as I said, the sweetest of things. I think it will only slowly dawn on me as we go through this show and I get to hear you fellas saying that I'm not actually mental and that this is real. And Carl, I mean, you know, we, we, we know that, um, we know that this team had it in it, but you and I and Dave and Harry and Greg in the background, all of us, we must have had the same feelings of anxiety and worry. It was a tough watch. It wasn't a great game. I said to the, the lads just before the mics went live, there was something extra special, maybe even about winning that way. It was just a kind of, um, uh, a very cynical uh, way of winning a game. We invited them on, we backed ourselves to deal with whatever they could offer, and we backed ourselves to score the goals from the matter. And we did both things, and that's what a great winning, winning team does.
4: But first of all, don't think you're coming to talk to me without saying the same thing that you did to Dave. Come on, tell me again. Tell me
2: again. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, did you know that we are the Times Champions of Europe? That sounds very, Did you very know nice, that? doesn't it? It sounds nice. Oh man, me. it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, look, as some of them have said after the match already, you know, when we look back on it in in days and in weeks and in years to come, like we already do with Istanbul, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember. Nobody's going to be that bothered about it. Um, there were times during the game when, yes, it was it was hard to watch. Uh, I remember looking up, um, wondering, you know, how, how, when are we really going to start playing? Uh, and there was actually 78 minutes on the clock, and I sort of realised at that point it's no longer about trying to find our game; it's about just getting through it in any way possible, and that is what the whole game was.
2: Oh, you're um, so right there. That was it, wasn't it? Just it was about it was about stages, eking our way through stages. That's exactly right. That's how I felt as well. It was never about actually when will we get our game together. It was just survive this patch, survive this patch, do better in this one. That was it. Just a game of stages.
4: Yeah, I mean, at halftime when we were ahead, I sent out a tweet, it was from the stat pack before the game, in every League and Cup match this season that we had been ahead at halftime, we'd gone on to win. And, you know, we should have realised because of that, it was never about, you know, trying to make sure we were playing better. Once we'd got ourselves ahead, we weren't playing catch-up. It wasn't like last year. Everything was different from last year. And this team, the the solidity and the, the mental fortitude, all the things that Klopp has spoken about, we showed every single one of them. Maybe the technical aspect wasn't there today, but that didn't really matter at the end of it. You know, it was all about the results. We've had finals where we've played well. You know, against Sevilla in the uh, Europa League final, we played pretty well in that first half. We ended up losing. Against Man City in the League Cup, there were spells where we played well. Against Real Madrid, we started the game far better than them. This was just about winning. It was about getting over the line. And we did that in whatever way we needed to when the match was underway.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and you know, uh, Harry, I'm going to cue you up in exactly um, way as I did two men. How does it feel for you this evening? You've you're a young man. Uh, you haven't had the joy of of, of great days uh, on a, on a successive basis. Oh five and oh six with two trophies in a row was as good as it got um, for so many people um, in the last few decades. Um, it's been a long time since the last trophy win. This team so deserves it. And Harry, this team is now six times champions of Europe, Liverpool Football Club. It must be something incredibly special for you, um, you know, because I'm sure, like an awful lot of people uh, in that age group, who 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 struggle to know what it's like to have a good team who actually then deliver on that promise. Um, To have our lads do that tonight in such a way, in the biggest game in the world, and let's not fool ourselves about that, Harry. This is the biggest game in the world. The World Cup final. Fuck off with the World Cup final. This is the (laughs) biggest game in the world. It is. And our team are there. And all of our players want to be there. And it's only a matter of who's going to elbow their way into our squad now, Harry. Yeah,
5: no, it's, um, I mean, I spent the past 20 minutes trying to think about what, Type of metal
0: we're going to build uh, oh, a statue hello. of Divacorrigian. Is, is that
5: horrendous? horrendous from Madrid as
0: Listen, well. you don't <laughs> want a statue of Divac. You don't want a statue of Mo. Mer- you want a statue of fucking Alisson. Alisson <laughs> is the man that you need to get the statue to. And after that, you go and give the statue to Klopp. All the way. Oh, for, honestly, do you know You've what, seen the guys?
5: Photo of Alisson holding you, the, holding the have... trophy. It's a hug you... that makes you feel makes you feel safe from any it angle.
2: It <laughs> does.
0: A 84th minute. Uh,
5: ...upstaged by somebody who's actually in Madrid here, uh, I is... Just, I mean, I, I
0: just is that TV horrendous thing? You're down, <laughs> television's You're down right!
2: Television's horrendous has joined. Listen. Hey, 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 television's horrendous. Tell us something that we don't know about how wonderful it is to be there, brother.
0: A year ago, they broke my heart. A year ago, they broke my heart. I said to Yarrow yesterday as well, that we either bleed sad or we bleed happy. But today we're going to bleed happy. I'm off to go and bleed happy all over Madrid. Simply as that. Simple as Do it. that. So, Do it. We have poured blood, sweat, tears into this club year in, year out. Economically, we don't even look anymore as to what it takes to actually come out here. And we worry about it later. Now, we're going to relax. We are going to go out there and we are going to piss all over the fucking Real Madrid bastards who... Did what they did to Mo Salah last year, and now we are going to exact our revenge. Oh, actually, you know what? We already have. We won it in their city. Six Number times six in Madrid. Good night. God bless children. Have a fucking wonderful evening. Go make children. Do whatever you need to do. Trust me. It's been fucking. Epic.
2: <laughs> Stay safe, brother. <laughs> you mind yourself, kiddo. You mind yourself. Six times
0: in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> good night everybody
2: take care man take care
3: every podcast <laughs> we do a horrendous from now on he's just gotta be televisions surrender thing.
2: televisions surrender sing uh, harry let me let you finish your initial thoughts because as you said upstage there by the, the homeboys live from madrid um you know you you were formulating some thoughts about about the thing i'd set up for you i mean i i, I put, put it to you that you know there's a team we can trust but it's a different thing to see them actually finally come through and as as harinder said there that does give a bit of context after last year this is so important to so many people like not just a few people absolutely millions of people around the world will be as happy as we are now
5: yeah no i mean Absorbing some of the some of the videos that you see from today, sort of in the build up at the fan parks, and just seeing the scale of the of the number of fans who travel to Madrid without tickets, you know, d- just to celebrate the club, to um, to celebrate the progress that we've made, it was is absolutely incredible. And you, and you, you, you just think it to yourself as well, Chev. I remember when we were doing this, the Premier League season wrap ups, and you almost felt cheated out of it a little bit because of the way, you know, the way in which we know City have built that club. I don't do, to, to, to go into it too much like that, but you know, we've done everything right, everything that you're supposed to do, everything that you're supposed to do on the pitch, off the pitch, holistically, whatever you want to say. Um, and it, I, I just felt like you, you, we this team deserved something so dearly. This manager deserves something so dearly, and to see them do it. In such an ugly fashion as well uh' it's pro- probably even the more even more satisfying because it's it's gonna create more fume amongst the all, all, all the other fans in the in the premier League who who watched it or you know, claim it didn't watch it but you know secretly watched it out of the corner of their eye um six times champions of europe Trev. it's I, I think you you queued me up at the start there talking about success in the past and sort of what's gonna uh, what younger fans have really got, gotten to experience. But the club, I don't think I, I've ever seen the club in a healthier position than it is right now. And I mean, I just, I, I'd love to be inside Divokarigi's head. I, I'd love to be in <laughs> Alison's arms right now. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, the calls uh, we're going to be getting from agents throughout the summer in terms of wanting to come and join this party. And for all those who are disappointed with the final, we beat Barcelona four nil, guys. I mean, you, you, you've got to be you, you've got to be grateful with that and just accept that we're six times six times uh, champions uh, of Europe. Trev,
2: God bless you for repeating that as many times as you did because I needed that affirmation as well. And unless I'm very much mistaken, in the background we have Mister Tandem waiting to join in. Is that correct? Can we be queued it up to have a little chat to Gags, uh, Guy, and Greg in the background? Is
0: that okay?
4: has he actually killed all electronics there
0: Uh, i think
3: he just just murdered his phone
0: what the oh man that's beautiful
6: (laughs)
2: beautiful. Uh... (laughs) someone tell that man he sounds like a delighted but half dying robot it's uh it's
3: just getting progressively
2: further away
0: what's happening <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm going to ask i can't talk right greg greg, greg, uh, greg, uh, greg uh, guy step Hang in on, there i think i'll he's going
2: <laughs> okay we we give me a heads up when he's back because um guys that's
3: all the beer tonight
6: <laughs> you know what, I guarantee
2: you. <laughs> right uh I, Dave, I, 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 like, I mean, it seems almost mental to start talking about the football match itself, but we should do because there are some little things and we do have the usual sort of, uh, raw structure that we want to stick to because people want to revel in the details. So let's do exactly that for them and allow them to do that. And like I say, when and if, um, Gagan comes back or anybody else. There he goes. I'll be back, says Gags. And when he does, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out with a proper connection. Um, let me start with you, Dave, on this. Um, there was a, a couple of big calls made tonight in, t- in terms of the, the midfield. And that's the only area there ever is any big calls to be made. Except you could say that introducing Bobby Firmino was another one um, after his long injury uh, layoff. Now, an awful lot of lads look sluggish tonight, but Bobby was chief amongst them. And um, the second man who looked sluggish tonight was Ginny Wijnallum. He too was replaced at one point during the game. But I think you'd agree with me in that. I think everybody would have liked to have seen Ginny uh, starting, Fabinho starting, and probably the Henderson of the late season starting. And that was the midfield we got. Now, as it turned out, um, Jurgen was a little bit betrayed, not necessarily by anything other than things not working out particularly well. None of our lads were particularly wonderful or particularly high energy in the way that we know expect him to be but really the most obvious cases of both were uh ginny and bobby and signs on it we had to have them replaced what did you think of the starting 11 and would you agree with me that those two men were the ones who um needed replacing when it happened and the the substitutes that came on really uh made a massive impact in that way um
3: it was definitely the 11 we wanted for sure, especially, you know, Henderson had that good run of games um, about a month ago, and obviously a big performance in the second leg of the semi-final, so, you know, it was the right the right uh, team selection, you just hoped you'd get the hour or 70 out of Bobby, but he just looked a little bit off the pace. Now, he didn't look any more off the pace than Harry Kane, um, who somehow managed to stay the full 90 on the pitch in what can only have been, you know, his decision. And <clears throat> um, yeah, when the substitutions were made, for sure, Bobby needed to go off. I think he could have taken off Ginny or Henderson. Both of them were were really poor for the game. Um, but obviously Henderson being captain, been a bit more high energy. Uh, that's kind of where it made sense. I, I'm not sure I agree with you that Milner made a whole lot of difference or in giving away a, a couple of dodgy free kicks. But Divock obviously came on. and I mean, that guy has written history this year. A, a fella that nobody wanted at the club. In August, like, none of us would have even considered having Divock Origi coming on the Champions League final. Um, certainly Klopp didn't even consider it because he didn't make a matchday squad until about November. But you look at what that kid has done this season. The, the goal against Everton, you know, the goal against Newcastle, the two goals against Barcelona, the goal that got us to the final. And then tonight, he just puts a bow on it. And, and finally, for the first time, understands that he scored and he's allowed to celebrate
2: oh man that was the absolute highlight was that you were granted it was a little bit of a rub going up and basically molesting the corner flag and looking as if he was uh enjoying being there very very much but i was delighted that he actually put a bit of shape on it <laughs> i have to yeah, say
3: absolutely but like i mean th- this is a guy that i think at the start of the year the club probably looked at and gone right we can't sell him we'll just we'll Keep him for a year, and then we'll we'll bin him off at a, at a big loss next summer. If we want to sell him this summer, we'll get whatever the fuck we want for him. But I think he's, I think he's earned himself a new contract. I think I think he's a he's a hero. You know what he's done in this Champions League run, what all of them did. And and you're right to say that you know a lot of the lads were, were off form. But I mean you know the big guys that we needed stepped up. Alison Becker stepped up when we needed him to. Virgil Van Dijk was just absolutely colossal. I thought Joel Mata did brilliantly in dealing with Harry Kane and his shithousing. Robbo and Trent, as always, and Fabinho just putting out fires in front. Now he couldn't pass the ball to save his life tonight, but defensively magnificent. And I don't know, like it's, I love that we've won it this way. I love that we've won it with a, you know, a sketchy penalty early on, shithoused our way through to the the last few minutes. And then it's it's big div scoring to, to just put a bow on. I, I love that that's what we've done. That's That, to me, you couldn't have scripted it better. Now, it was particularly enjoyable to watch, not from an aesthetic point of view, but, like, you're literally just sitting there willing the minutes to go by. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Neither from an aesthetic nor from an absolute, like, um, nerve-shredding point of view. There was nothing pleasant about that watch. And yet, there was, as I I think Carl said earlier on, that idea of, well, let's get through this stage. Hmm, we're still there. Let's get through this stage. Yeah, and then the final nail in the coffin, the final um um proof that this team is what we've always said it was is that second goal from big div it well, really how, is how many
3: times this season Trev, we come on raw and talked about the maturity of this team the professionalism the organization all of that led by van dyke at the back tonight was all of that everything we've seen this season encompassed in that tonight professional Slowing the game down, like look at the, our corners and stuff in the first half, slowing the game down, taking two minutes on every corner. You know, Trent strolling across, throwing Trent strolls across, such an incredibly mature performance tonight. And I, I thought Trent himself was absolutely brilliant. Two incredible pieces. Of he, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Just absolutely.
2: That, that absolutely, and and maybe one of the vans happen tonight as well. And we'll talk about that when we get into the details. And Carl, just to bring you in on this with a little bit of a, a backward step and having a look at them, Dave mentioned something and I hope people picked up on the whole idea that he was throwing out there about Harry Kane and his level of, uh, shall we say, influence over um, the whole club. Uh, Dave mentioned that uh, he would go off when he decided he would go off, but he was very much going to start if he could at all. Um, It would be very, very silly to say that he had no influence on the game because that would be inaccurate. Um, But I think the things that Liverpool fans were hoping would happen as a result of his inclusion probably did pan out for the most part. I think he had maybe a couple of dangerous moments. I remember a whip ball across the box, but I don't remember him being on the end of anything really scary. Um, so in that respect, the big decision that uh, Pochettino had in front of him sort of worked out a little bit in our favour. And that said, they introduced plenty of um, um, shake-ups as the game went on, um, including Lucas Moura, the hat-trick hero from the semi-final against Ajax. Um, and yet the grinding nature of this team that we have when they want to do it. Um, and also let's not underestimate this. And just to bring it back to our lads via talking about Spurs, there's a really good argument to be made that Allison is man of the match tonight, Carl.
4: Yeah, I think that's um I think that's probably a fair statement to make. I think there were only Two or three who were near their best. Um, I would say Sadio Mane was very, very good for us when we got him on the ball. Um, I would say that we probably didn't involve him in the play as much as we should have done. Yeah, dead right. But, you know, Allison definitely, when when we needed him, he came up really big. I mean, I don't think any of his saves were absolutely outrageous, but they were all just very, very technically sound. He pushed them away to the right areas. He didn't overcomplicate anything. Um, You know, there was no danger of a spilled shot or uh, it being parried back out into a danger zone, nothing like that at all. It it was very safe and it was an extension of of the game as a whole, if you like, um, in that sort of controlled and functional and doing whatever was needed to manner. Um, And like, like I said before, once we were a goal ahead, that's kind of all you needed. You know, don't make any silly mistakes. Don't gift them a goal. Don't let them just get back into the match without having to really, really work hard for it. Um, and after that, you've given yourself a great chance already.
2: For sure, and I mean, was there anything else you saw in terms of how they led the with their with their with their initial uh, starting eleven? I mean, it was very predictable, wasn't it? There was the, the, the Harry Winks call, perhaps. Yeah, was I, in I was surprised bit
4: with it. Winks. Um, I mean, we spoke about it in in the build up on Raw. Um, I thought they might go with a back three with Sanchez included because it offers them a lot of flexibility with Rose, who's pushed up into midfield. Um instead, Pochettino obviously went for the idea that his substitutions could change. And they did tactically change quite a bit every time they made a sub there. Um, and actually, I thought one of those played into our hands when they moved Ericsson back a little bit. We suddenly got a lot more space to play through midfield there where we hadn't really had that before. Um, Mane was really, again, the one who made the most of that. But the rest of their lineup was to be expected. Um, you know, Kane was never really going to cause too many problems with movement and that sort of thing because again as I said in Roy sorry in scouted he takes four or five games sometimes to get back to that level of sharpness and his movement um, after he's been injured it's more about whether we could deny him a shooting chance um, or a clean header in the box or anything like that that you don't need to be 100% fit for you can just get on the end of um, but we did that I think we defended well against them for the most part I think most of their Shots and half sighters were sort of on the most players' weaker foots as well, um, which is another good sign of the defending work that we did.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to try this connect with uh, with Mr. Tandon and see if we can get him in uh, to get a bit of reaction from Madrid. Gags, are you with us?
0: Trev. Yes, yeah, brother.
7: Hey!
2: Yes. David.
0: <laughs> David. David! Amy, we won a fucking trophy on the podcast yes! That's <laughs> company <laughs> on for fucking index Get the <laughs> Fucking <laughs> Get the, <laughs> the fuck.
6: Interesting point. That's yeah, uh, fucking good. All says, guys, can I just say you guys do a fantastic for words? Big job. <laughs> everyone everyone who's listening. Thank you so much so support, and also, you all deserve it. You all, you all deserve this fucking trophy. We all deserve it. So, have a great night. Thank you so much. Just let me and say there's, there's
3: absolutely no one that deserves this more than you. Very absolutely not one of us deserves this anywhere close to what you have, much you deserve. It. So, I've this is for you, brother.
6: Mate, it's for all of us. We thank you, but this for, it's for all, all of us, man
2: go go enjoy
6: go I was enjoy yourself in man i'll tell you something every
0: fucking red deserves Ta- this take time. care enjoy it fucking hold on to it don't let go and fucking take the piss out of every other fan out there all fucking yeah. <laughs> that was
2: really? drunk robot <laughs> that was drunk robot gag standen joining us live from <laughs> and um you know it, it's an interesting thing to We all deserve it in terms of all fans deserve it. And he said, right, um, there's no fan base who has suffered through more uh, needless bullshit um, from um, media quarters, Um, all all season, this season. And and I'm gonna take a little minute to grant stand here and I don't give a shit. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I I actually had to endure a couple of Man City fans who I'm familiar with and seem like solid enough lads um, cry arsing about the way in which the media don't appreciate them or uh, are are portraying them or whatever. And the the, the lack of self-awareness, it's comical. What we really have had to deal with as a fan base is quite a lot of spectacular bullshit, quite a lot of negative uh, reinforcement, quite a lot of delight in our suffering. And if you were one of those who took part in that, and you find yourself listening to a subscriber podcast uh, from Anfield Index, which who knows, maybe the lads will throw it out there free just to boil some piss. Uh, I really hope you're squirming tonight because we do deserve this. Gags is dead right. We do deserve this more than any other fan base because of the difficulties that we have been through and because of how good this bloody team is under Jurgen Klopp. And a little moment before we get into the details of the match, Harry, just to talk about that man, just to talk about Mr. Jurgen Klopp. And we can talk all night about this detail or that detail or this player or that player. But this is a guy who's come in and the fit is just remarkable it's a cultural shift it's a guy who seems to get and understand what we feel about our club it's a guy who has united the most divided and disparate and in fighting fan base for the most part there's always going to be knobheads who want to fight each other but this guy is what what it's all about Harry, he's the catalyst. He's the touch paper that was lit that has led to this moment where we are six times champions of Europe. Jurgen Klopp.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's pretty hard to understate what um, just just how much he's done, how much he's meant. Um, I mean, you can go you can go back to that original quote right at the press conference about some doubters into believers um, because. Uh, I mean, to summarize it in, in such simple terms, but, I mean, that that is what he has done. I mean, the guy uh, took a club that was sort of hard on itself, down on its luck. Um, God knows about the teams that we were putting onto the pitch. Even in his first couple of months, you saw some of the, some of the benches that we had. Um, but, you know, you see the way the fan base has transformed. You see the way, whether he's talking about politics, whether he's talking about football, whether he's talking about off the pitch, on the pitch. Um, he always seems so composed, so in sync with with the city that he represents. Um, I mean, one of my favourite things has also been Trev. Um, I'm not sure if you've enjoyed this as well. Um, just opposition fans, rival fans who've been desperate and really you know, dislike the club, just being un- unable to to properly dislike Klopp. Has been a has has been a wonderful thing as well. I mean, yeah. I see him I see him out here in interviews post match Champions League final six times just again, just to just to reference that. Uh, talking about how um uh, doing salt and pepper covers in the interview, talking about uh, <laughs> let's talk about six baby <laughs> singing it to singing it to the interviewers. I mean, he's been a complete credit to the club. I mean, I, I think as he's mentioned in the interviews as well. Yes, there's the hugs. Yes, there's the big. Uh, bleached smiles and, and all that, but there's a real intensity uh, about the man that he's managed to instill into nearly every single member of the squad. You look at them and think they're 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 players who who represent the city uh, and re- represent their manager really um, so so well. It's it, it, it's hard to summarise just how much of an impact he's had, Trev. And I mean, now it, it's I, I don't want to focus on it because actually. Tonight you want to just soak all of this in, soak all of the joy in, but it is—it does uh, bear thinking about. Now that he's got the you know, got that off his shoulders in terms of this, uh, you know, he's never won a trophy with us, six, you know, six finals without a win or whatever it might be. Um, it's gone now, and you, you just imagine. I mean, how how high can he possibly take us with um, this team is yeah. already already so yeah. good, already six times champions of Europe.
2: He just keeps saying it, man. (laughs) Uh, Eddie Gibbs, just before I do, I want to reinforce what you just said, brother. This is a quote from Jordan Brian Henderson, the man who raised the European Cup over his head tonight. The man who has endured the slings and arrows. And he said tonight on Jurgen Klopp, without this manager, this is impossible and you're reminded aren't you lads of the time when stevie's coming staggering across in 2005 and he's going honest to god this man here if it wasn't for this man here and at the start stevie didn't really believe nobody did and rafa and then he convinced everybody but everybody believed in cloth from the start and what Jordan Henderson says is, without this manager, this is impossible. You go through tough times in a season, but what he has done since he coming in is unbelievable. There's such togetherness. He's created a special dressing room. All the praise goes to the manager. I'm so proud to be part of this football club. And to cap it with this is so special to me I just try to give my best every time I play football and to help my team no matter what I've had tough times but I've kept going just as this club has it's the best moment of my life this is what I've dreamed of since I was a kid it's not about me it's not about me being captain or lifting the trophy it's about this club these players, this manager. Now we must keep going and kick on. And holy shit, Eddie Gibbs, what a way, what a way to segue into you, my friend. How are you getting on?
7: Mate, I don't know if you can hear me. I hope you can. Can I just? We can. Ah, oh, perfect. Well, I'm in Plaza Mayor. It's all fucking kicking off, mate. I hope you boys enjoyed that as much as we did out here. Absolutely fucking insane out here. It's going to be absolutely bouncing.
2: Dude, have the night of your life. Make sure that you do something that you... And make sure you go home with the biggest... <laughs> don't give a shit. Man, I, we're, we're, you're living a dream for all of us there. Tonight. Maybe, maybe you'll do an article. Maybe you'll do a blog or something, but let's know. Take take plenty of videos. Uh, man, just just before you head off into the night, tell me your overriding emotion now. What is it? Is it relief, pride, joy? What are you? I
7: think uh, I think shock. You know what I mean? We've, I don't I've not heard any of the show unfortunately because I've been walking around. But the uh, the thing the overriding emotion for me is that uh, we got it was very workman like. We got the job done. We needed a bell luck. We got a bell luck. We we totally nullified them. That they were hot shots from anywhere and then the shock of beating Spurs is one thing but then the ramifications of that are we win number six you know what I mean we, and the song is we won number six in Madrid that's already honestly it's all kicking off but that is it, it's joy it's fucking relief in some ways in the fact that after Kiev last year we're now going to have this night so I'm going to have I'm going to crack open another beer I'm going to go and join in the songs that you can maybe hear in the distance here in Playa Yeah. Hill. This square is going to be fucking bouncing. I've come to the quietest bit I could find. Dave, I think
3: he thinks he's the king of fucking Spain now. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, who, whoever Eddie has his phone prov- uh, provided by, Gags needs to get with them. Because that's a clear connection that the king of Scotland has. Yeah. <laughs> it's struggling, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hey,
7: the, 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 tick- the ticketed elite have to accept that they're going to be last to the park
2: yeah there you go there you go well put my friend well put
7: up, up the ticketless reds
2: up the ticketless reds get off, get off into the enjoy up.
7: enjoy the rest of the show guys thank you take, for everything top take care brother to boys. top credit to you boys for doing this amazing
2: take care brother mind yourself have a good one See
7: you soon. take care
2: thank you uh I, 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 let's start let's start like in, in the in the traditional vein but we'll have a look That's at some so details
3: Can I just say, right? Henderson mentioned the players, the fans, the manager and all that. Can we just have a little moment and talk about John Henry, Tom Werner, Fenway Sports Group and what they have done for this club? Because it's all well and good pointing out the individuals. But without them, we don't have Jurgen Klopp. Without them, we don't have Virgil van Dijk. We don't have Alison Becker. They took over an absolute shambles. They took over a shell of a football club and they have turned us into... As I said earlier, the number one team in Europe. We couldn't be further away from where we were the day they walked in and kicked those other two bastards out of our club to where we are now as the number one team in Europe, six-time champions of Europe. They won't get the credit they deserve. They've never gotten the credit they deserve as owners of this football club. I said it recently. In my opinion, they're, they're the uh, among the elite ownership in European football. Uh, The only people I'd put above them is perhaps the Agnelli family that own Juventus. But what they have put in place from Klopp to Edwards to Fallows and Hunter and all the players that they have overseen the signing of, like these guys, they come in for so much stick. But to see John Henry there tonight hugging Klopp as Klopp went to get his medal, and you could just tell there's two guys that are going to share a drink later on, light some big-ass cigars and have a good old time. Like, yeah, all credit to John Henry, Tom Werner, and Fenway Sports Group.
2: Massive. I I, th- I think it's I think it's absolutely uh, valid that you mentioned that. I'm delighted you did actually, because it's uh, it, it's it's one of those things that get about, especially. Um especially maybe because some people don't really fully understand that particular aspect of it. But when you start listening to to people who they're responsible for bringing to the club and their money is responsible for bringing to the club, um, that makes it all very, very clear. I saw I saw John Henry the other day having a, a wee chat, doing a wee interview, and looking like an absolute danger <laughs> with a pair of mom jeans and a, a dodgy hat. And you just think, billionaires can do what they want when and you look bit-
3: like he does and your wife looks like linda yeah you know you're doing well in life
2: <laughs> you're doing well in life but man you, you've put your you've said a mouthful there because you know i've just i've said i've, I've, I've said earlier i will say it again the biggest trophy in football end of is that one that beautiful big ear bastard that we lifted for the sixth time tonight that is the trophy in world football You can actually take your World Cup and you can put it in second place. That is the reality of it. Everybody wants to win this thing. We've done it again. And we've done it again under the stewardship of that lot, uh, under the stewardship of John Henry et et al. And, you you know, if we're divvying out credit, you're dead right, man, because... That's why we've got Alisson, that's why we've got Virgil, that's why we've got uh, Fabinho, that's why we've got Sadio Mane, that's why we've got Bobby Firmino, that's why we've got Mo Frickin Salah and all the rest of them uh, and it's a massive massive deal and you know it, it, it's, a good, it's a good interjection I'm glad you made it and let's just like I say start with you with the opening detail of the match which, which is that opening goal. I'll actually go around all of you on this because it's an interesting sort of a, a jumping-off point. And God knows the details of the match itself, they're sparse and they're scarce. There's a few little things that we'll, we'll highlight. But after, I think it was 30-odd seconds, Dave, that that, that um, call had to be made. There's very little doubt about it. There's no doubt about it, in fact. But at the time, there seemed very little doubt about it. Um, Sissoko handballs, um, and we've got... Uh, A situation where the Reds, uh, you know, after the usual pause um, um, on a minute and 50 odd seconds, go 1-0 up through Mo. Now, there's lots of stuff I'd like to talk about. With Carl, I'm going to talk about the penalty itself. Uh, And then with Harry, we'll talk about a different aspect of it altogether. But just initially, the impact of that had that delightful deadening effect uh, that we'd like on the psyches of the spurs players and the spurs manager and the spurs fans except it didn't really because they just took the game to us immediately talk to me about the goal the decision initially uh, was there in any way any country god bless him as tried to i think earlier on say that it wasn't the panel unless i've misread harry's message your take on the decision um and um, on the significance?
3: I think it's a definite penalty. I mean, I, I think it hits him in the arm twice. Um, the only person I've seen or heard uh, dispute that it was a penalty was was Kevin Kilban, who was on the, the Virgin Media coverage here in Ireland. And Virgin Media, for people who don't live in Ireland, is like, it's the television equivalent of having sepsis. It's horrendous. Everything <laughs> about it is terrible. And Kevin <laughs> Kilban is chief among the things that are terrible. Uh, he was adamant it wasn't a penalty. But, of course, as a bitter blue, he's going to say that. But for me, it's a nailed-on penalty. And it does have an impact on the psyche. Because, number one, it took all the wind out of their fans. And for the remainder of the game, all you heard was Liverpool voices. All you heard was "See, si Senor, Ale, Ale. You know, you, you didn't hear any Spurs singing. You didn't hear it at all. musa um, Mo- uh, Sissoko, I, I, I think he's a nothing player. He's a big powerful rangy athlete and I think when he gets into his stride he can do a bit of damage but he, he's not a good football player and but that took him completely out of the game he was just he was like walking around like he was in in shock for the remainder of his time on the pitch and I don't for one second believe he was injured I just think he'd, he'd had enough um he was like a shell just strolling around the pitch it had a huge impact on him which had a huge impact on them because he's right in the heart of their team. Um, fact the fact yeah. that it's such an early goal. That's I mean that's it's so important to us as a team to get that goal ahead because now, like for years, everyone was banging on about goals, goals, goals. You've got to get more goals in the team. But we we uh, across AI and and yourself and Trev on all the podcasts you've ever done, you've always spoke about the need for defensive solidity, being able to stop the opposition from scoring because you're not going to score three or four in every game. And when we go 1-0 up with this team and what we've seen them do this year, the best defence in Europe, um, you just you, – you, you get confident from that. You just look at any team that we come up against and go, well, you're not going to score, and if you do, you would only get one. So from there, it was just a matter of, right, well, if we get a second one, this is to bed. That's over. Once we get the second, we can shut up shop because nobody's scoring past Alisson and Virgil and Joel twice, not with the way them boys are playing. I don't, you know, Barca managed it over there, but there was – mitigating circumstances to what happened in Barcelona and Messi's a genius they didn't have anyone they don't have anybody close to his level and the guy that they rely on for their goals was you know at best 40 percent fit so for me it just had a huge impact on on the fans it had a huge impact on a key man in their midfield and it had a huge impact on I think on all of us as well because it settles the nerves and like I said earlier the maturity and the professionalism and the organisation of this team mean that when we get that goal, we can just sit back and say to them, "Right, will you come and beat us now?"
2: Will yeah. You come and beat what us? about that? What What about that though, Dave? Did, did it? You have a setup there, like um, like we have that we can enforce if we want to, a way of playing that we've seen all season. Um, do you think it had a real impact on how we approach that game because? listening to the bt boys it was uh all talk about you know fatigue and 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 that type of thing. Um, Pochettino before the game had said that his his team was uh, his squad was as fit as it's ever been, and it's hard to believe that after a, a significant rest that our lads would be sluggish. And yet that's how the game sort of appeared to be. Um, but I would say that it might appear to be that way because we decided to play a certain way. Would you say, Dave, that that early goal emboldened us? to do that thing that we know we can do, which is, all right, have a go now if you want.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you, you have to factor in as well. We've played them a number of times now under Klopp, and their team hasn't changed in a couple of years because they, they haven't bought any players because they, they built a new stadium. So they've had a set group and a set way of playing. And look, with the the amount of money that we spend on opposition analysis, with the tactical geniuses we have in our you not know, just not just our manager, but with you know the likes of Pep Linders there as well, they're able to analyse these teams and find the weakness. And they will have just looked at Spurs and gone right. You know the weakness is here. It's getting the ball in behind Kieran Trippier and putting the ball in the channel between Jan Vertonghen and Danny Rose, because Danny Rose uh, has a tendency just to play ten yards further forward than he should, and he does leave a gap behind him. And I think we set out aiming to play the ball into those areas. And then when we get the goal, it it just, it does, it means we can just sit back a little bit deeper. Now, I did think at times we sat maybe a little bit too deep. Um, And I think I saw Fabinho a couple of times kind of imploring his defenders to step out. But Virgil was very calm and very much, you know, on point with his organization, letting everybody know where they were meant to be, calling the line, setting the line as to where he wanted it as well. And then the out ball was always there. And, you know, they had the majority of the possession. They had far more completed passes than we did and all the rest of that good stuff. But we outran them. So I don't think fitness can be questioned. And not just that, but who created the best chances in that game? It was us. We created all the best chances. They had, I would say, one good chance in the game, which is the Deli Alley header late on. And aside from that, they had a few pot shots and a couple of half chances and scrambles. But they... You know, the couple of saves Allison made, which he made brilliantly, they're saves you expect him to make.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. And look, to look at a different um with yourself, Carl, the penalty itself that Mo steps up to, well, there's, a, there's a few things we need to look at here first of all and and by the way if you if you want to comment on anything that's already gone of you're not you're not i'm not ruling anybody out of anything just take it where you want we're we're going jazz tonight but the question i do want to put to you specifically is about the pen itself first thing is the significance of mo salah being the one who puts that away given what happened 12 months ago um for me that was a beautiful thing um that i think i'll enjoy more and more as i think uh, I was too tense watching him taking the, the, the penalty itself. The specific thing I wanted to ask you about, secondly, after the whole idea of it being so relevant that it was Mo who did it, was you know the penalty itself. Because you look at it, he's hit it right there in the middle. He's hit it with uh, the bare minimum of height, but such power that it goes over the body of uh, Loris, who had decided to dive. Um, it was way too close for comfort for me, Carl. But uh, I'd like to get your take both first on on Mo and the significance of him being the scorer, and the second on the the penalty itself. And uh, was I the only one who was uh, who was shitting bricks watching it?
4: Well, I mean, it was the first two minutes of a Champions League final. I imagine there were more soiled pairs of underwear than not at that stage. To be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. It, <sighs> With his penalty, I mean, uh, uh, all I'm going to say is I hope it doesn't take the next one that way. And the reason for that is because, um, think back to the group stages, and I'm pretty sure it was against Red Star at Anfield, and uh, he took the penalty exact same way, and then I think that one was for his 50th goal for Liverpool. And he absolutely hammered it straight down the middle, and because he takes it with, obviously, his left foot and the slight instep, even when he hammers it, so it sort of spins just off centre, sort of towards the right side. Um it was exactly the same there, maybe a little bit higher, and maybe Lorris hasn't watched it, maybe he expected it to be a bit more placed because it's a big game final and all the rest of it, but this was exactly the same as that one. I wouldn't like to think that that's going to be Salah's MO for taking all penalties from this point onwards, because it would be a reasonably straightforward thing for a goalkeeper to see a couple of penalties like that and just think, I'm standing still. You know, if it's 50-50, yeah. if you dive anyway, well, it's... Yeah you know, you, you maybe even going to up your chances of saving it from that point if you just stand so you know, obviously it doesn't matter and I don't care, it went in and it was so hard hit that it was sort of past the recent in before you could worry about it not being in the corner or anything like that um, I'm not sure James Milner would have given it the nod of approval let's put it that way
3: um, but yeah, it was, it was fine because it went we'll in will take our penalties next season so it won't matter Say again? It won't matter next season because Bruno Fernandez will be taking all our penalties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice, Carl. I think you'd agree, yes. Yeah. Uh, you you've had to you've had to do uh, um, Dean, uh pods with Mr. Hendrick this season talking about Mr. Fernandez. Uh if anything's ever gonna convince Bruno to come to us, that was it, right?
4: Oh, well, I mean, I think that would convince pretty much every player on the planet um, who wants to step up, and uh, Liverpool's going to be right at the top of their list. Um, I'm not sure, in all honesty, that at this point I do want Fernandez to sign because I think Dave is just going to be unbearable to do every podcast with season, if that's <laughs> the case.
2: <laughs> it's a fine point. Hey, there's another aspect. Um, you know, we we we've we've talked about the the penalty itself. We talked about the was it or wasn't it, um, and we've talked about what the impact that it had on 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 the Reds, at least what we thought it would have. But we need to be honest, don't we, Harry, and say that basically what happened in the aftermath of that was maybe we did, maybe maybe uh, Jurgen's Reds did decide right, uh, we'll just sit on this for a while and uh, play on the break, but. W- by doing that i think it led to the discomfort that you probably felt i know i certainly felt which is watching spurs having a domination of the ball in the immediate aftermath it was deeply uncomfortable they had quite a grip on possession in those moments that followed um there was a a corner in five minutes which virgil cleared they're really trying to play uh, like we could possibly something together on the counter but uh, bits were breaking down with Bobby Firmino in particular. On nine minutes, the man who was probably, as Dave said, a little bit uh, stunned by his involvement in the opening moments. Uh, Sissoko uh, son had done well, and he and the ball broke to Sissoko, and he ended up shooting well over. Um, you know, we were doing an awful lot of heading the ball, Harry, in those. 10-15 minutes that followed because basically we weren't able to regain a whole lot of that possession which we would fully expect to have even against the ball playing side like Spurs
0: Harry
4: maybe he's using Gag's phone <laughs>
2: I, th- I think <laughs> i feel like harry's yeah are you with there are you with us brother <laughs> this is fantastic this is what you call your live radio
6: He's in as here in the group but we can't hear you harry
7: off mute, yeah
2: did you yeah <laughs> he's gone full match in here lads i don't know what this i don't know what's happening here that's what's the g- gags <laughs> it's beyond, gang. Can, 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 Carl, while can, we're well, well, waiting for Harry to come back in, can I put that to you about the reaction that we had to the goal? You could look at it cynically and say, yeah, that was us doing a game plan. Or you could say, Jesus, we coughed up a lot of possession in the immediate aftermath.
4: Yeah, um, I think I would have to go with the, with the second version of that. I mean, on the one hand, you can say that Spurs obviously then had to just say, "Let's put that out of our minds and get on the ball and start trying to play." Um, may, on the other hand, maybe that sort of suggested to us that we could start to control the game a little bit more. Maybe that was the game plan from the beginning. You know, if we can start fast, get an early goal, and then we want to conserve our energy because of the conditions, uh, the humidity, the the lack of match fitness that both teams would have. You know, there's no way for us to know at this point, unless someone comes out and say it. You know, if if Klopp had told the guys to go out there, start fast, try and score in the first 10 minutes, and then really conserve your energy to hit them on the counter-attack in the second half, uh, well, then we sort of, that's a completely legitimate approach, which we pretty much did to the letter. Um Not sure about the, the counter-attacking in the second half. There wasn't too much of that, but obviously the game developed as it did. Um But basically, no, we weren't good. We didn't really get to grips with... I think composure on the ball as much as anything um tactically it was quite evenly matched up for long spells of that second half with Firmino dropping in it was essentially two teams playing a diamond against each other but I think they had a bit more movement in their midfield than we did Um, we didn't really have the midfield runners again possibly because we were ahead you know we've seen some of the time when we really need it we've seen Henderson and we've seen Wijnaldum really bomb on and get themselves forward and Make those spaces and make the runs between the lines, and we didn't need that, and we didn't need to take the unnecessary risk of doing that once we were a goal up. So perhaps it was because of that, um, but you know, definitely they settled the quicker and the better. Even though I wouldn't say that their passing was particularly good, but they did have more of the ball.
2: They did, and Dave, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we've got um, um, Mr. Sethi back just yet, so I'm just going to go to you for the come back, Trev. Oh, there he goes. All right, well, Harry, well, you, you, you you can feel this. Like I said, we were doing. It was a lot of head tennis going on. It was um, much to the the disgruntlement of um uh, the neutrals. I'm sure. I, I I can fairly much guarantee that if you were neutral watching that, especially considering the two teams um who were playing, and you had you were if you were genuinely neutral watching it and hoping for a good game of football, it was massively disappointing on many levels. Um two teams who can play such fantastic football when they want. Uh, There was a lot of head tennis going on in those opening 20 minutes. I mean, we we saw a a Trent attempt, a lovely low hit across the goal in 16. Um, Henderson and Fabinho with a few nice touches in the immediate aftermath of that. But then within a few minutes of that, Son was in one-on-one, but Trent did really well. Uh, we saw Moe rolling Vertonghen and and then a gorgeous Robocross cross in 22. But before that little flurry, Harry, we had this situation where Spurs were very much saying, right, it's our ball, we'll tell you what we're going to do with it. And we didn't, I don't know, was it a matter of not winning the ball back high up the park, which maybe prime Bobby would do? or whether it was actually, as, as Carl suggests, uh, could have been some sort of outlandish game plan that we had, but it was a little bit infuriating, it was a little bit frustrating, and I ask you about one specific aspect of that. I don't know what channel you were watching on, but I'm pretty sure it was the same camera angles for everybody, and all I could see was Trippier in bloody acres in those opening 20, 30, actually the full first half, in acres. Now, as it went on, there was some really clever positioning play by Sadio Mane, where he stood in a perfect position to make a ball out to Trippier, risky. Um, tremendous credit to Sally O'Malley for that. And probably very few people pick up that particular aspect of the game. But occasionally I can see little nerd things like that myself, uh, maybe not being the greatest analyst in the world, but I can see that stuff. And I was so delighted with what he was doing. But in those opening um, goings, that first part of that first half, especially, and most of the first half, the lad was in acres of space. It was kind of a little bit unnerving, wasn't it, Harry?
5: Yeah, no, I I know what you mean, Trevor, but I mean, to be a bit reductive about it, maybe we just, maybe we just, we'd watched him over the past season <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> and just realised how, how much of a terrible season he'd had. Yes, he's got those qualities that we saw um, yeah, for England when he was playing there, but since then he's been pretty much awful. Um, uh, I mean, I... I, I I don't think that it was a case of us just allowing him to have that space, but perhaps some. Um, but um, no, it was. I, I think whenever there's a, an early goal like that, or an, an early incident, whether it be a you know a terrible injury to one of your key players, or something that just disrupts the rhythm of the game, when you've already been waiting three weeks for a game like this, I, I think you could tell from Klopp's comments after the game, it's just sort of a, a little bit of a nightmare scenario where it's just like you can't really build up any rhythm. Spurs are already trying to bypass the midfield. Um, it's a bit it's a bitty game there's fouls here there's fouls there Um, and as you mentioned a a lot of headers really Trev and um, it's still an uncomfortable thing I think for many Liverpool fans to sort of deal with the fact that this is now a team that has such a solid um, defensive side to it that we can just set ourselves up to insulate ourselves and uh, rely upon those guys to you know, at least clear things like crosses into the box or you know, straight direct balls that are trying to get in behind them, especially in terms of how good we are at playing offside now as well. So uh, I have to admit, in those early stages, even though the game pretty much stayed the same way in terms of the patterns of play, um, I wasn't too unnerved by it, um, not to be disparaging towards Spurs, but I just thought that there was nothing there that we couldn't, you know, handle to be honest um, my biggest fear to be honest was second balls like a random ricochet to somebody um, and i think they did they, they did have chances later in the game where you know um, the one that comes to mind is that sort of snapshot that Moura had where you know if you connect with the ball differently you know, perhaps perhaps that flies in and you're talking about a different game but aside from that i mean whilst it was very much lackluster uh, this isn't a Liverpool team that we're We're used to having the teams of the past. This is a team where you've got Allison in goal, the bear hugging the ball whenever he can. You've got these defenders who are just pretty comfortable with dealing with what Spurs were were offering, to be honest. So I I didn't expect it to continue the way it did in in the first 20 minutes, um, but wasn't too unnerved by it. Because I I think, as you said, Trev, that early goal completely sucked the life out of them. Um, And whilst they tried to retain their composure, I, I feel like you, you, you could see and you could sense the panic in them a little bit, um, especially because they, they didn't appear to be at full power with with Kane up top, who most of the players didn't look fully sharp. But he perhaps even lesser than Bobby, but he 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 didn't look didn't look all the way there as well. So wasn't too bothered by it. Um, it's still a weird thing to sort of get to get to grips with a, a Liverpool team that can defend so soundly. Um, wasn't expecting it to continue after the first 10 minutes, I've got to admit.
2: Yeah, this is your new reality, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. This is your new reality, folks. Um, is... It's sort
5: of fitting, though, Trevor, I guess, I mean, just in terms of, it, I mean, when we think about why we were even in a title race in the first place, and Dave yeah. mentioned it earlier, like, buy goals, buy more goals, and it's definitely been fun to see those, those nights where, it's led to thrilling thrilling games for us but actually if we we're honest with ourselves the reason why we were competing this year is down to those guys in the back really um and
2: yeah yeah we we had all the goals in the season and it came to uh and and it, 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 there is there is a, a balance to be struck and that's exactly it it's it that's exactly it it's about Um, Correct. We can go out, we can blow teams away uh, by big scores, but we can also get our noses ahead and stay ahead. And and, uh, just to keep on track here with the game progress, Dave, like, as Harry says, you know, uh, the game had established a certain pattern. You know, we saw Pochettino trying to have a cry to the ref at one stage. He was giving him a a very... uh, Receptive ear, I thought which annoyed me a little bit But one of the patterns that we did see was that you know, there was a really lay offside call and son at one stage from a long ball He, he, he looked like he was clearly in and the, with a better touch He would have been in but it didn't matter because he was offside anyway Because we were doing that thing that we do which is playing the line correctly um, We also saw Al, uh, Ali dealt with very well by Joel Matip um, low-key One of the men of the season um, is Joel Matip. We saw uh, Robbo with a lovely carry on 37 minutes and a great hit, which was tipped over um, after, uh, I think it was uh, Joel Matip, the aforementioned, who supplied the pass to him. Um, Good bit of pressure uh, after that as well by the Reds. And then the half pretty much ends on 45 minutes with Ericsson firing wildly over after a bit of a decent Spurs move. And it is effectively, as I said to Harry there, it's a bit of a shit game, Dave. And I think nobody cares now. I didn't care at the time. I wasn't worried about neutrals. I wasn't worried about entertainment. But I want to lean into this idea that we were doing what we do um, because these are lads who can follow uh, a game plan. These are lads who, I think that sun thing for me really underlines uh you know it's 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 a really late call because they've got this stupid you know directive now where they have to let it go to the very last and leave a window for a var you know but it's a late call he's absolutely through if he'd had a better chance, uh touch he would have been right through and it would have been a, a an equalizer but our lads went he's off and even if they didn't shrug their shoulders, they knew they had done it right. We've seen that again and again and again and again, and It stood to us again in the biggest night of the year, didn't it? it
3: did it? Did it? Absolutely did. And it, like last year, we got to a Champions League final, Trev, and we only really had one way to play. <laughs> last season, we only had one way to play. The same under Rodgers in that thrilling season <laughs> 13, 14, we had one way to play. But this team have multiple ways that they can play. They can they can still just l- open up and absolutely tear teams to shreds or they can close in and just play like they did tonight. I mean, it, it's incredible the, the turnaround and like we've got a fella playing center back for us who's potentially the favorite now to win the Ballon d'Or. Um which it, it's absolutely mind-blowing if you, you to think of how poor we were defensively for so long. Yeah. To, to the turnaround, and it, there's other factors like Trent's emergence and his development, and what a player he is, and Andy Robertson. I mean, Andy Robertson is to us what Dennis Irwin was to that incredible United team, just an absolute bargain picked up when no one else was really looking at him, who just turns into, you know, seven out of ten every single game or or higher.
2: And yeah, and can like, can 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 I just cut across? On quite often we'll talk about Andy Robertson versus. Look, like He's a fantastic lad. You can always rely on him. He'll always give you a set amount of things. Um, in the wake of the interview where we read about it, I know you're not be really too influenced by emotional uh, nonsense, um, but in the wake of that interview, which we would all have read for the Players Union, where he's writing an, an article, and I'd love to think it was him who wrote it, actually, and you get further insight into what the fella is, and we all got mental pictures of poor Robbo walking around. Liverpool tracks is going, please let me be part of this team. I, I don't care whether that makes me a bit of a sap or a mug. That means the world to me when I read these things and hear about what the kind of a man this is. Um, and I think there's a real case to be made that it's not, he's not in the cult hero bracket anymore. He's in the, you looked at him tonight when it really mattered. He's fucking excellent, Dave. He's excellent. He's the match. Of Trent Alexander-Arnold, who may well be, who may well be a world class, for years world class performer, a guy who'll go on to captain club and country, and Robbo right now is his match. Credit where it's due, right?
3: And you spoke earlier about how Klopp is just is perfect for Liverpool, and Andy Robertson is perfect for Liverpool. Andy Robertson, yeah, the man. Not forgetting the footballer, the man, what he does away from the pitch. Embodies everything that's great about the city, the club, the fans, and what we all believe in, you know, from the political side of things to the, you know, the charitable side of things. He, he just ticks every box. And, you know, it is, it's it, when he first joined and he wasn't getting his game, and a lot of people were doubting whether Klopp ever wanted him, and Albi Moreno was playing really well. And Flip now. You know what are we? 19, 20 months later, Andy Robertson is un- unquestionably in the team every single game, and Albi Moreno hasn't played a minute in the Champions League this year. But I do just want to mention Albi Moreno tonight uh, wearing a-, a shirt as tribute to Jose Reyes, his-, his friend, who died oh. in a car crash. I mean, younger than me, younger than yourself, Trev. Um, a sad loss. You know, he was part of that incredible Arsenal team. He was a fantastic player. And for for Moreno, that's like this will be his goodbye at Liverpool, and what a way to say goodbye. But I mean, Andy Robertson's only getting started. He's got he's got so much more to give us as well over the next
7: six, seven years.
2: Lads, I'm not sure if it's me or if I've lost Dave. Anyone want to jump in there? I, I, think, yeah. I think he finished his point and it, like,
6: broke up on the last word.
2: Okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I just did. I want Me that was gone. Gone. eight. Well, well, I, and, and lovely. I lo- briefly on what the, the point Dave was make, making because um, it wouldn't be. This podcast or this group or this channel if we didn't just take a second to say to echo the point that that they've raised there I mean you do it was it was a surreal situation where we saw those pictures of Jose Reyes going up and you're thinking this guy is the 35 year old man um, and he's gone and he was he was a unless I'm very much mistaken he was one of those Arsenal um, invincible uh, squad uh, players, Carl, and you know, it was it, it was a really surreal sort of moment at the start of the match, and you know, you did see the tears on in Moreno, and the the camera kept panning across the Urente as well, and I mean that's that that puts stuff into perspective. That's just a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing, um, but 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 you know there's there's a sort of a, a, a in in a strange way there there is a sort of a that that that's you know a, a, that a friend of his and other people you know that 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 this, that he he's been associated with that there's something that happens on that night that's almost like a, a little bit of a celebration of his life or an acknowledgement of his life and fair play to Moreno I thought like he's clearly a good man isn't he Albie? like he's clearly a good fella yeah, I don't think anyone has really ever had any problems with him at all. He's been in and out of the
4: side almost since he joined and there's been very, very few problems with him whatsoever. Um, I feel you know, really sorry for him as well that this big and massive and successful night that it was, and you, you can't really say whether or not he's ever really going to be able to enjoy it um, because friends and old teammates, as he was with, uh, with Jose Reyes, Yeah, you're right in what you say about the invincible. I'm pretty sure he joined halfway through that invincible season. Um, And not just with Arsenal, you know, I mean, I covered La Liga for a lot of years and he was a big, big name there, Um, a big, big influence. Even, you know, with Real Madrid when they won the league, he scored twice on on the final day for them. I can't remember now off the top of my head if maybe it was against Mallorca or something like that. A couple of days with uh, a couple of goals on the final day of the season to literally hand them the title there. You know, a big, big player for many, many teams that he's he's been involved with, and uh, you know, like you say, it puts a lot of things into perspective. It's very, very difficult to read that sort of thing. Um, You know, I know people who've been through similar sort of thing with. Gary Speed, not all that long ago, and going back even before then, um, a couple of Man City supporters we had growing up with, and Mark Vivian Foye, and all, you know all these sorts of things. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it should happen or would happen to footballers because they're on this other plane to yeah. most of us. Yeah. Um, but it does, you know, it does. You know, people are talking about Jose Reyes and ex Arsenal and ex Spain and ex Real Madrid. He's, he plays for Extremadura. You know, he's playing for them this season. The, this, their season is still going on. You know, he's got teammates there in the dressing room now who aren't going to be in training with him when he was yesterday or whenever it was, you know. So very, very difficult for all of them. And as I said, I do feel sorry for Alberto Moreno and hope he can look back on this, as you said, as a bit of a celebration and a a tribute almost or a legacy for him, for his mate. And um, we've seen with people like Andres Iniesta, he's always remembering people like Dani Jarque, um, on his shirt, and every time he wins trophies, it's it's always for him. And hopefully, that's something Moreno, wherever he goes on to play, um, is able to do as well.
2: Yeah, touch a classroom, man. I thought, and uh, i a celebratory show, but it does bear mentioning. It's uh, a very significant um, event that it happened, and um, attention was drawn to it on the night. And it's important that we rec- recognize it as well. And Harry, to talk about the second half and the way it starts, I mean, um, there's a dangerous sun cross in 46 minutes, and then Kane took it in and turned and crossed his unchallenged, which is really annoying. Um, but thankfully, it came to nothing. You could see immediately in those opening moments of the, that Bob's touch was still ropey, that he just wasn't on it in any way, shape or form. Um, we saw Robbo needing to do some great cover on a Tottenham break. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, there was on 51 minutes, a glorious Trent ball that came to nothing. On 52 minutes, a Fabinho long shot, um, that was, um, uh, dealt with. On 53 minutes, a great Robo cross into Sadio Sweet, but Yoris came out and, and, and got there just ahead of him. Um, so it looked as if we were building up a bit of a head of steam. But then within 60 seconds, Ali, uh, Deli Ali is in. A bullet shot is blocked and then on 57 minutes Vertonghen heads over from a corner. Um, in other words, the the second half started and it looked, and I'm sure it looked to Jurgen, Harry, as if we hadn't learned anything really in terms of uh, trying to prevent them from having lots of possession. Uh, then we ratcheted it up a little bit ourselves, but they pushed back and then on 57 minutes and on 61 minutes, and bugger all happened between that, Harry, we had Divock on for Bobby and we had James Miller on for Ginny. And I don't think anyone in the stadium or anyone here tonight could argue about either of those. I said earlier on to to, to uh, Dave that um, I was delighted to see Miller coming on for Ginny Wijnaldum. Ginny Wijnaldum was a semi-final hero. Ginny Wijnaldum was the best midfielder we had for the first half of the season. And he's played several amazing games in the second half of the season. But tonight, he wasn't doing a whole lot um, in terms of uh, effectiveness. I would still absolutely stand behind my assertion that when he came on tonight, he made a massive difference. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just let's talk about how the opening part of the second half panned out, and how realistically speaking, it was crying out for a couple of changes from Jurgen, and hats off to the man, because we'd often pull him if he makes bad shouts or if he leaves it too late. Within the space of four minutes there, we've got Divock on for for underperforming Bobby, and we've got James Miller, who I thought, I'll, I'll I'll have to say, I thought he really did make a difference in many sort of subtle ways. On for an underperforming Jenny. Talk to me about that period of the
0: game. Anybody still here? Who have we lost?
6: We've
2: lost Harry. He's meeting, and I'm meeting.
6: Hmm. Lost,
2: The delights of live. The delights <laughs> of live.
7: Behind the curtain.
2: Uh, well, let us let, keep it moving. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Dave, can I throw that at you if you're if you're if you're? That yeah, opening, for sure. I mean, section. I, I agree. Like
3: Ginny didn't play well tonight. Um, and he's been hit and miss probably since about Christmas time. Yeah. But I thought defensively he did very well. I thought Christian Eriksen had no impact in the game Yeah, fact. Um, for the, the entirety of the time that Ginny was on. Um, Milner, obviously, when he came on, it, it does help with him. You, you mentioned Trippier earlier, Trev, and how he just had acres and acres and acres of space. And then Milner comes on and he makes those little shuttle runs where he just drops into those pockets of space, takes Trippier's Trippier as the outball away from them. Um, and, and that is important. That does make a difference. But at the same time, I thought we saw Ericsson begin to have a little bit more influence and find a few more pockets of space. And his shooting boots, he obviously left at home. But I thought he, he kind of came into the game then for them from about 60 on. Uh, not not anywhere to the level that you'd expect from Christian Ericsson, who's obviously one of the best players in the <laughs> Premier League. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Divock came on, and I thought he was – he was everything that's good and everything that's bad about Divock, all wrapped up in that, you know, 38 minutes or whatever he was in the pitch.
2: Yeah, ex- explain um, explain that to me in a nutshell, because and, and include the massive impact that he had. Because like you don't, we won't talk about the goals, just until it comes up. But talk to me about what you mean about that, because I'm interested. Because I, I think I think an awful lot of people who have watched that performance by Divac and absolutely relate to what you're saying there, because you know people who who are possessed of a fine head of hair were probably pulling it out at times, and then, and then at the same time, um, you know, he does what he does. So talk to me about what you mean about that specifically.
3: And he, he's always a good out ball. He's got the ability to take the ball into himself and and drop it off to somebody else. And I think we saw a couple of times he took the ball in, just dropped it off to Sadio and got us got us going, got us attacking, created a couple of different <laughs> angles that we weren't seeing in the first half because Bobby was clearly hampered by the injuries just come back from. He also forced Alderweireld and Vertongen to play a little bit deeper because they obviously know him very well from the, the Belgian national team. And they know that unlike Bobby, who doesn't have much pace, Origi has the pace and the power to get behind them, to just knock it past them and run. And he tried that once, and he absolutely left Jan Vertonghen standing as if he wasn't there. And if it wasn't for the fact that Danny Rose is one of the quicker fullbacks in world football, Rigi was in. Uh, Rose did brilliantly to get back and and, and cut him off. Yeah. And just his – I suppose it's his confusion and the fact that he doesn't really have a position. Like, Devok hasn't really developed as a number nine. He hasn't really developed as a wide forward. He's just sort of is what he is. And that, as frustrating as it can be for us, it's probably quite confusing for defenders as well when we bring on a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", built like a brick house, and he can drop out to the wing or he can roam into the centre or he tends to drop off into midfield as well to just, you know, play little one-twos. And it's got to be quite difficult for defenders who've clearly been planning for Bobby and Bobby's got to be one of the harder forwards in the world to plan for. Cause he just does all manners of different things. But when Divock comes on and he's doing Bobby type things, but obviously quicker, more powerful, not as, um, not as cultured maybe, or, or as refined as Bobby, it's just got to be a difficult transition for a center back, especially late in the game. And another factor to take in is is how hot it was out there. I mean, in the second half, apparently the temperature act apparently went up, which is quite unusual for it to get hotter later in the day. Carl could probably relate to it because we've been playing for a number of years. Um, myself and yourself live in in fields in rainy Ireland, Trev. So, I mean, we don't know what the sun is; we just know what rain is. Yeah. Um, but you know, so and obviously then, like the the inability to complete. <laughs> A simple five yard pass to mo or to slide balls between the center backs for mo um that's that's the bad part about divok is is that often that that end pass that last little bit of creativity he just doesn't have it in his locker and he probably never will but i mean he, he gives you everything he has and you know as i said earlier what a what a year this kid's had i mean You know, we we loaned him out last year. He had a stinker of a loan spell at Wolfsburg. He had to sit at home and watch his teammates go to the Champions League final. And again, we've often talked about how Daniel Sturridge could have made an impact. But, I mean, Divock could have made an impact when when Mo went off, certainly far more than Adam Lallana did on the night. Lallana had been forced to play out of position and, and just not having kind of the pace to trouble them. Origi, at least with what he has in terms of pace, power, height, you know, the ability to get his shot off could have made a difference. And he has to have known that. And he comes back in the summer. It's all up in the air as to whether he'll stay or he'll go. He stays. He doesn't play. He doesn't play. doesn't play. Starts getting on the bench. Gets a few chances. And and here we are now. He's the first sub on in a Champions League final. And yeah, bad, it, it doesn't matter because of what happened, you know, in the whatever, am- seventh minute.
4: I'd, I'd add just two things there to to the players that we've just been speaking about, uh, Origi and Wijnaldi. After the game, um, they called Origi over, obviously, to speak to him on BT. And, you know, the reporter says to him, he says, You did it again. First thing Origi replies is, We did it. And you can say that that's, you know, you know lip service and all of them say that sort of thing. But it shows what Origi has been for Liverpool and that he appreciates what he is for Liverpool. You know, it's about supporting. The team and doing whatever role is needed of him, and he's there to help basically in whatever way he can. I mean, this guy is, I don't even think he reached 700 minutes for the season. Um, and considering the number of important goals that he scored, it, you know, it's quite ridiculous to be perfectly honest. Um, the other thing is about Wynaldum, and it kind of shows uh, the way that you need to be careful where you use statistics and how context in statistics is important. Um, in terms of his passing he was the best midfielder on the pitch tonight he left with a 100% success rate in his passes um, where the real context of the situation comes in though is that he made 12 passes in his hour on the pitch so, and, that, and that really shows the lack of control that
3: we had in midfield and obviously his lack of impact on the game as well
2: when, when when you, that, you, that's
3: that. Though, Loving that, that 12 passes from a midfielder Tony's loving that one tonight <laughs>
2: When you? Will you talk to? Me, listen. Um. A lot has been said about several players over the course of the year, right? Um. And it's not about. I'm not really interested in anything except for the fact that uh, the only one sentence I would say is. I, I I have a delight in the fact that it's going to be across every newspaper every magazine, every TV screen. It's going to be that person who's holding the cup. Because I fucking love all that. I I love all that. I love guys who've had a shit time um, who triumph in the end. Um, There are various reasons why I love all that. It's not a Rocky Balboa fan. It's just I think it's a really important life thing. But talk to me about the Liverpool midfield tonight. Talk to me about how it's a real thing that we didn't get a performance from Ginny Wijnaldum, which is a bit annoying, uh, how it's a real thing that when James Milner I, I want your take, Carl, on this. Because uh, I, I, I've had Dave's and I'll go back to him on it. Actually, I'm not going to leave him hanging. I'll go back to him on Milner but your take on what Miller added, because to me, there was a definite difference. I mean, if you look at the match facts, um, he's on on 61, um, granted they bring on Mora on 65, uh, but we ended up on 66 with a dangerous trend cross that went to the corner, we got nothing from it. Then Miller hits just wide after a lovely little bit of play involving Sadio Mane mainly. Uh, they then have a couple of dangerous crosses on 70, and in the same moment, Sadio's nearly in after Mo breaks away. a incredible delivery from Allison uh, from his hands. Um, then there's a break by them where Ali, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Delhi Ali has a little bit of a dink which he underhits, and Allison's able to take it quite easily. And then they end up bringing on Eric Dyer for Sissoko, where, which is the sign that the man's finally um, done. Um, Within two minutes of that, we have this wonderful moment about for, uh, from Virgil van Dijk, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. But talk to me about the midfield and the changes that Jurgen Klopp made there and what you think the impact of those changes was. I think um, with Milner,
4: it was a positive change because we were, right, first of all, we made two substitutions really, really quickly. And for Klopp really, really early. And that was important because the game was not really going in our favour, let's say. We defended well, as we've said earlier on. We had limited their chances, but we weren't on the ball. We weren't in control. We weren't overly impressive. So I was glad we didn't just let the time run away and we actually sought to change something there. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I would say Milner was positive in that he came on and actively looked to get on the ball a bit more. He made a few forward runs into the box, which we hadn't had at all from the midfielders. Uh, one shot, obviously, he sent just wide. That would have been you know, a lovely, lovely impact uh, to to come off the bench and score straight away. Also, just before Sissoko went off, I thought Salah, uh, no, not Salah, Mane, I think it was. He could have gone down for another penalty there. Um, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Sissoko went in on the challenge on him. Not really enough was made of that, I didn't think. Um, it was difficult. I think we improved for about five, ten minutes, something like that, uh, in the midfield area after those two subs were made. But as I mentioned earlier, I think it was partly because of Spurs' changes as well. I think when they took off... Uh, no, when they...
3: Was Dyer the first change?
2: Yeah, I did. D- Dyer came on.
3: Mora came on for Winks, and then Dyer.
2: Came yeah.
3: On for the Eric
2: Dyer came on was the on 73. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So when Murrah came on for Winks, they moved Ericsson back into that midfield zone. Then I thought we got a bit more space. That worked well for us, and we passed through the centre quite a lot quicker than we had done before, um, you know, with a bit more, a bit of accuracy as well, which was a nice change from the previous hour um and that was that was good you know we we looked to open them up a few more times and i thought at that point for about a five maybe ten minute spell i thought we were actually just going to get on top of them then and sort of grind grind them down and they were going to have to see out the game defending for a bit it didn't go on as long as you know we would have been better for us i think we wasted quite a few set piece opportunities which were largely pretty terrible today i thought um it was just a very, very strange game to try and get control of. I mean, they weren't very, very good, I wouldn't say, but they did dominate large stretches of possession. There was an awful lot of it which just went sideways. Um, I think as much as anything, Milner was a positive introduction because he gave us more energy, and there were quite a few out there who looked really, really tired and really, really just worn out with the with the conditions that were there. Um, just to clarify what they've said, I, I did live in Spain for a long time. Um, I didn't live in Madrid. I lived further south. But the first time I played football over there, um, and this is after playing in England for you know a decade or more, uh, I actually played an evening game, my first one over there. And about 20 minutes in, I honestly thought I was going to die. I just couldn't breathe. It was so hot and wet trying to breathe in the air while you're running around that much. It is so, so difficult. So it didn't surprise me at all that they went over there the week beforehand to, to acclimatize a little bit. Um, but it definitely looked like it had a big impact tonight.
2: Yeah, and maybe those little margins materialise for us. And, you know, Dave, as we head into the last section of the game, basically it's the Allison show. And I think we need to take a moment here because, yes, there is a wonderful goal by Divock Origi, we'll, we'll talk about that. It's on 87 Minutes. But there's a period of time, I think it happens pretty much in the last uh, – after Virgil I'll I'll let you start off with brilliant moment against Sun but then I want to talk about the other defensive Colossus which is Allison um, because he pulls off a double save on 79 minutes it's not like a classic double save bang bang it's a a long shot by Sun that he deals with brilliantly and then a shot by Mora uh, as it breaks to Mora In I think there's maybe two passes and it breaks to Mora and he has a shot then son has a shot at Ali again, at eighty minutes. Uh, it's a bit of a weak shot, but our man deals with it. Um, they bring on Yerenti. Um, we see uh, a Spurs free kick from from Ericsson, which had the shit scared out of me, Dave, and it's brilliantly saved by Allison. Someone right to say it was going wide. I don't give a fuck. He saved it beautifully. Uh, they have a little bit of a chance from that corner. But thankfully Sun is offside because again our defence is brilliantly marshalled by Virgil van Dijk, who you're gonna start with, hopefully. Um and then on eighty-five minutes, uh, we've sort of re-established a little bit of uh authority with a dangerous Robertson cross to Mo, which leads to a corner. We'll talk about what happens to that with that, uh with Carl in a minute, because that's Divock's goal. But talk to me about that dangerous period of the game where our two big new defensive, what we call them, are they called Colossi? Because I did Latin and I still can't tell you for 100% sure but Colossus number one, Virgil van Dijk, that moment where he just gets his foot in, uh, having outpaced uh, Son is fucking huge and so many moments from Allison. and actually after the goal goes in for so many more moments from Allison, where he just kept highlighting how good he is. These two guys have really been the difference this season, no matter what anyone says, and I want not hear it. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't want to hear talk about we've had this guy who are brilliant and uh, attacking and all the rest of it. And it. Me, this season, my take, Dave, is as simple as this. Fabinho started to play as a defensive midfielder. We needed that. Virgil van Dijk, is a fucking man mountain and alongside grew into one and behind those guys was allison who's a fucking barrier and a half that's where we win this champions league
3: yes absolutely i mean that's just that is just what it is trev i mean shout out to phil coutinho i really hope that dream move has worked out for you uh because we used that money to buy virgil van dyke and allison becker and we went from being a good team to a great team to the best team in Europe. And those two tonight were, were magnificent. The two best players in the pitch for me, I thought they were both flawless. Uh, the moment where you, that you mentioned where Son runs at Virgil, puts a burst of speed on, and Virgil has to turn, and you think, shit, this might be a big, big chance for them, and Virgil just guns it and gets back and he never looks like he's struggling he just he's not even having to lunge in it's just all controlled and I saw a stat there uh, this evening that he's now played 64 games this season and not one person has dribbled past him and when you consider who we've played this year and and you know it, it's a mind-blowing stat that nobody has been able to go by him he, he's he's incredible he absolutely- so it's it, that
2: that stat has lasted to the last game. Is-
3: Nobody has managed... Oh,
2: fucking hell, that's amazing. Jesus Christ.
3: You look at at Alisson, right? And early in the game and into the second half, he had a few crosses to deal with and he dealt with them all. And it was all, you know, very, very easy for him. No fuss, no fluster. Everything's fine. The first shot on target he has to deal with is that kind of dink from from Deli Alley, which he deals with again as if he's just, you know, plucking the ball out of the sky playing with his kids. From then on though, he does have quite a bit to do, and as Carol mentioned earlier, none of them are great saves, but they're all good saves and he makes them technically and fundamentally brilliantly, pushes everything clear, nothing is palmed back into play. Everything is done the right way. And like there was doubts. So the people laughed when we spent seventy five million on Van Dijk, and, and then they laughed when we spent sixty five million on Allison. And not one person is laughing now. Nobody's laughing because we are the envy of world football right now. We're six times champions of Europe. We're the best team in Europe. We've got the best centre-back in the world. We may well have the best goalkeeper in the world. We've got one of the best attacks in the world. We've got one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, one of the best right-backs, one of the best left-backs, one of the best managers, and certainly uh, some of the best owners. But, you know, when you look at Alisson and you just the guy just exudes calm Everything about him is just so relaxed. With Carius, even when Carius was playing well, and I'm a Carius I'm fan, I, I do like the kid. I think he's been horribly railroaded for what happened last year. It was always a little uneasy. You always felt like he was on edge. With Allison, it's just so calm. You see, even when we're getting the trophy and he's just sitting there, he sits on the edge and everybody's jumping up and down behind him. He's just sitting there calm as you like. He got interviewed sitting on the grass, he made the fella sit down beside him to interview <laughs> him, he didn't even stand up he just like, well I'm sitting here so you can yeah. just sit out there and look like a fool or you can sit down here with me and we can relax because it's all over now and like, these guys have turned down wh- countless other offers and countless other moves, more money you know, bigger clubs, Real Madrid wanted Alisson, these guys turned them down City, Chelsea, whoever turned them all down to come to Liverpool, and if you don't think there's a queue of agents and players now hammering on the door to get the move, like you just don't know what you're talking about. This, everything about what Jurgen Klopp has done for Liverpool, and and he's just created a phenom. And I think I think we're only getting started. That's the that's the thing. I think we're only getting started. Like think back to 05, Trev, and think back at that starting lineup, and. Like, we always had questions over Dudek, and we always thought we need to upgrade on him. Hippia was towards the end of his career. Jimmy Traore was nobody's idea of a reliable centre back. Um, Johnny Risa was hit and miss. Uh, you know, Didi Hammond was coming towards the end. Vladi Schmitz wasn't anybody's, you know, favorite attacker. Harry Kuehl was hit and miss. Barros and Cisse. The only two you could really look at and go, well, well they're, you know, foundation pieces for as we move forward. But well, there was three. There was Alonso, Gerard and Carragher, and that was it. But you look at this team, and you could look at ten of the eleven, or probably nine of the eleven that started, plus Naby Keita, and go, well, like we don't need a whole lot here to to get even better. We're going to get better just by these players continuing to develop and hit their primes, and as we bring in one or two more, the one or two who started tonight, they become squad players, and our bench is even stronger, and Harry mentioned earlier. Look back at some of the teams when Klopp that we, we fielded when Klopp first took over. Look back the previous year at some of the benches that Brendan Rodgers put out in the Champions League, and look at what we could potentially have next. I mean, I just I cannot get over how far this club has come in such a short period of time. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a transition like this. Look at the bench yeah. in Klopp's first game, and that was against Tottenham. Yeah, the, the exa- there you go. There's the perfect way to frame it. Our first game was a to them. The bench was absolutely horrendous. Adam Bogdan, Colo Touri, Connor Randall, Joe Allen,
4: Jordan Ibe, Jean Carlos Teseda, Jerome Sinclair.
3: I mean, Joe Allen's the best player on that bench and And he plays in the championship. Yeah, it with all due respect to me he, he you know, he plays in the championship. Um and some of the others the championship is a level above what they're capable of. Next season, we're gonna have a bench full of international players. We've got Ox to come back as well. So you know Yeah well
2: no, normally on the bench lot on on the bench tonight we had Nabi Kate the potential starter. we had Alex Oxley Chamberlain potential starter. Uh and and, and this is right, in no nobody starter. This is a nobody shit version of Liverpool. Also, we had uh, Joe Gomez, potential starter. We had um, uh, Jordan Shaqiri, potential starter. And we had Divock Origi who came on and did what he did because he is a potential starter now because you can't fucking argue with Divock. And... I'm going into this last couple of minutes because I realize we're stretching out in time here and I want to let Guy and Greg go off and have a a part of the night to themselves and you boys get off as well. And Carl, talk to me about what happens, which is the moment where I think most of us, well, they they, they more rational amongst us. I I don't include... We're able to go, I think we may have won this uh, and had that lovely moment that we've had so many times over the course of the season which is basically i think this game is in the bag now um here's the thing what i'd like to do is just talk about the significance of this goal in 87 minutes like i said in 85 we had a a dangerous rubble cross um Mo, and there was a corner and then on 87 uh, we're 2-0 up. Uh, it's a fabulous finish from Divock. Um After Virgil, I think from that initial corner, there was a little bit of mucking about going on. Virgil gets a tackle in, sort of a, an aerial challenge, which sees the ball break to Joel Matip. Joel Matip provides the assist, and Dybbuk provides the pinpoint finish, like laser accuracy. Like, I mean, Nothing the kid had done on the pitch to that moment suggested that he would be able to carry that off. He did it with such a plumb. He, with his left foot. He did it with such a plum. He did it with such panache. He did it with such ferocity that I have to say, even a pessimist like me was, we fucking won it. That moment, Carl, he won it for us. That
4: was the moment I started... Wondering how you were going to open this podcast by saying that we were the six times champions of Europe. Yes, it was. It, it was. You know, we were. We were not going to come. We were not going to collapse from that. We had, as we've spoken through, we we were solid. We were rubbish. We were rubbish. Let's be honest. It was a cup final. We were rubbish, but we were still better than them. We were still able to keep them out. We were still able to make them do what we wanted them to do. And when you get that second goal, when they've still not been able to break through and score a first one, yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, You know, there were big celebrations in uh, in this house at that moment. And uh, yeah, from that point on, it was a bit of a race against the clock there to start finishing all the work and everything else like that because uh, you can hopefully assume that they're not going to need any rewrites. You can think that you're going to be celebrating and you can um, start wondering if uh, James Milner is start dreaming about some Ribena or not.
2: <laughs> ah, Jimmy Miller.
4: He's, he's actually he's actually said after the game he, he would have to go a bit more exotic and have something fizzy like a lime and lemonade.
2: Oh, he's he's gone fucking pure mental. I have to. Say, uh, I I know I know it. Look, everyone's gonna want me to ask you this thing, right? It, it's Jordan Henderson, Jordan Brian Henderson. He's left in the European Cup, right? It's Jimmy Miller. It's Jimmy Miller, and he's come on. Jimmy had an impact. I know you you questioned uh, the level of it, um, and I happily disagree with you on that. But you know, this is, this is this is this is this is this is first world problems, brother. But what I want to talk to you about is see them two lads. At the end of the day, they are part of the best thing that we have seen since two thousand and five. It's a long fucking time ago right there. They're part of it. They're integral, integral tonight to that. And I fucking love it, man. I yeah, love it.
3: absolutely. So do I. Like, Trev, I don't care who lifts it. I know you don't. I don't care if Dejan lifted it with Lallama <laughs> sitting on his shoulders. It didn't fucking matter. All that matters is that it was lifted by a player in a red shirt. And yes. I'm glad Jordan Henderson. I am. I know,
2: yeah, I know, yeah. I just, I w- I wanted to give
3: him As a human being, I am absolutely delighted from because he has been pillared, and rightly so, he fucking deserved it. But he's the one that gets to lift that trophy. So me saying shit about him on a podcast or people writing articles or putting up mean tweets, they don't matter, fuck all. The guy's won the European Cup as captain. He doesn't give a fuck what I have to say, nor should he. But I have a right to say what I want to say, and and that's just how it is. He didn't play well tonight, but he's European. If he wants to give himself a ten out of ten, fair play. If Ian Doyle wants to give him ten out of ten in the Echo, good. I don't care. He's European Cup winning captain of Liverpool, and that's all I ever wanted was for when he got the armband for him to either end up as European Cup winning captain or Premier League winning captain. I didn't care which. It it's fantastic. I hope he takes that picture and gets it turned into, of him lifting the trophy and gets it turned into wallpaper and does his whole house with it. Because he should. Because he's earned the right to do it. He's been at the club eight years and for all the ups and downs and everything that's gone on for the last eight years, he's been there through it all.
2: Yeah, and, he and the, 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 difference, the, the difference the picture that Jordan will have of him ticker tight in the background and the, big, the biggest and the best trophy in world football in the foreground and his uh, grimacing, delighted face uh, in the middle ground. The difference is you think of the Renault Rogers portrait, self-portrait or whatever. Uh, you think of different pictures of different people. Um, you think of the horrors that we've endured as Liverpool fans, and we've fucking endured horrors. We have. It's been shit. Uh, and it continued to be shit under Jurgen Klopp and I hear I, let me qualify this because since that man has come in everything has looked like it's gonna get better and it didn't get better it got better but we didn't win we just couldn't fucking win and tonight Dave we fucking won we won the biggest trophy you've ever fucking seen for the sixth Fucking time, and if you're listening to this for your children, why are you listening with fucking children? I'm not. Comp- <laughs> I'm not fucking. I'm not. F- it. I'm. I'm so happy. I can't control myself. I will no longer be your uh gracious host. I'm disgustedly happy with this. All that matters, Dave, is that Liverpool are six times European champions.
3: yes that is the only thing that matters it's the only thing that has ever mattered. And for me, like I, I know people dislike me for the way I, I talk about certain players. Cause I think you, you should just support all the players. And that's, that's a lovely outlook to have on life. But the only fucking thing that matters is winning. And the, that's the, all the club, the club exists to win. I want players who are winners. I want guys who are going to come to this club and win and elevate the others around them and make us better and make it so that we don't have to live through the shit we've all lived through over the last 10, 12 years. Um, You know, I want winners. And and I, I won't be told otherwise that when someone's not good enough, I'm not allowed to say it. I will continue to do it. But every one of them lads tonight, Is a european cup winner and it's it's brilliant to look at a squad and see simon mignolay so happy fellas barely been involved this year but what a what a squad player he has been the impact he's had to see alberto moreno showing as much passion as anybody he he didn't feature in the champions league I, i don't think at all you've got you know lads there like sadio who played almost every minute and he's shown just as much passion he's just as happy as they are the likes of Rhian Brewster, uh, Cuevin Callagher, shout out to, to the Irishman in the squad. This is everything for them. This is the greatest moment of their career. Some of them may never get back to this level, but I'd bet everything I have that for the rest of them, I think this is just the beginning.
2: Can I just say as well, right, as a fellow who's st- um as a, you know, raw, amateur, dope, who just wanted to be involved. Uh, Dave just used a phrase there, right? (laughs) For what it's worth. It's like we're not exactly talking uh, professional uh, excellence here, but this is the greatest moment of my career, right here, right now, with you people. That's it. The greatest moment of my podcast right here and it like at this stage it is a fucking career whether you like it or not. I've been trying to do it for ages finally got to do it finally got to make it something that made sense to me uh, in the shape of AI pro with all of you people uh, with all of you subscribers and we've been doing it now for a couple of seasons and two seasons later we culminate in this moment which is one of the happiest moments of my fucking adult life. Uh, and the highlight of whatever this uh, nascent podcasting career is. The absolute fucking highlight. It's a beautiful, beautiful time to be alive. It's a beautiful time to be a red, Carl. You're sitting there. I know you're not just on the team, man. I know you're like me. I know you're having a, at least a little bit of uh, gin in there. Talk to me about how you feel. Me and Dave talk to me do
4: you know i was just thinking before we came on and i've just while you were talking had a, a quick look to look at the dates that it actually was um myself and dave years and years and years ago we started a, a liverpool website uh, just through talking to each other online and uh, we decided we wanted to do writing on it this was before ai started and everything so i've just had a quick look at the last one i did uh, from my previous site before dave and i started the new one and it was 2012 and um we didn't win anything after that, so this is uh, this is the first one. <laughs> this is the first one. So that's a uh, that's a nice little point for uh, me and Dave to be on the podcast before and after the final and doing it all season long. It's been it's been really really good. Loads of good feedback and questions and people listening and answering and writing in and asking us to do things and speaking with gags and yourself and Guy the producer and everything else. It's been really really fun this year, and this is just a it's just an amazing night to to finish off the season with
2: it surely is and apparently we've got uh people who are listening in who have an opportunity now to have a chat uh, with us which is great uh and first up we've got sloppy joe in seattle uh are you there mate and talk to us
0: Oh dear!
6: Unmute <laughs> button bottom left. <laughs> oh man, it's amazing! I was just about to
2: go to segue and get the. Oh, oh Greg.
6: a live podcasting. We've
2: got we've got lads lined up, says Greg. <laughs> yeah. you do realize at this stage that it, it it's it's not just like a. A 70-minute podcast. All right,
6: let's get, let's get let's in. Dale will speak to us. All
2: right, you you, you you queue it up, man. Dale,
6: yeah. It. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I told you boys, at started season. We are going to win the Champions League. Unfortunately, we were not able to win the Premier League. But come on, the Reds. Fucking come on.
2: Del, talk to me about... Uh, for you, what the most significant aspect of this season was? What do you think made all the difference?
6: Well, it has to be the save uh, from Alisson in exactly. Napoli. That was the crucial save. That was the point when I knew we are going to win the fucking Champions League.
2: Yeah, Alisson save was quite... Yeah. <laughs> Which Allison save, though? Napoli. Yeah. Napoli. yeah, well, well, well. He, he said that no. that is yeah. that is an amazing save, right?
6: Yeah, the one at home at Anfield on the ninety-third minute. Um, I went absolutely fucking bananas. Um, and it was at that point I knew. I just knew number six was on his way back to Melbourne.
2: Well, do you know what, Dell? I wish I'd had you. Faith, a lot. It's really difficult, isn't it, to, to not believe in this team? They, they, they take all the boxes. It's hard to see a weakness, right?
6: Listen, all I'm saying to you guys is you guys need to have faith in what I'm saying. Season, mark my words. Mark my fucking words. We are winning all four fucking trophies. We are going for the quadruple. Trust me on this. Oh dear. there was, they was talking push again.
2: Well, w- the main thing is that we need to, we need to mark Dell's words, because you true. know, it, the the dudes got it sorted, and if only we'd let. This is going to happen today, and next season we're going to get four trophies. <laughs> like I don't know about you, but I'm quite excited about that. Uh, apparently, Mr. Hendricks had to head off because of uh, signal issues. I'm taking this as a sign because now we've lost Harry and now we've lost Dave. That's myself and Carl and Greg and Guy are hanging around in the background, so I'm going to start wrapping this up because it's been going on. So what we will do is we will start finishing this up. <laughs> we'll start finishing up the show, which is the last show of the season. And you know what? Um, there'll be messages coming into me now in the background saying, Trev, you should, there's yeah, someone else and needs to. Uh, I, I, we're finishing now because I'm going to go off. <laughs> I've, I've decided I'm going to fucking leave as well.
7: Oh, you've decided you'll leave <laughs> I'm
2: leaving as well, Gregory. I'm leaving as well, Gregory, my other <laughs> friend. That's how it's gonna fucking be, pal.
6: Permission granted.
2: What was that permission granted? Oh shit! Look at that! Look. <laughs> Power play from Hopcroft. The absolute fuckbox in the background. <laughs> Let me know what my place is. What an absolute bollocks! I fucking love him. I love Greg Hopcroft. I love fucking Eddie Gibbs. I love gags Tandon. I love every member of Raw. I love every member of Anfield Index because they're fucking sound people. And here's the thing that you need to understand if you don't understand already. What we have here with this, if you're listening to it, is the best fucking collection of people in sports media, in, is the best collection of fucking shows. Like, I mean, fucking talk to people about it. Let them know about it. This is amazing what we have here. Some of the shows I've heard in this channel Are some of the best shows I've ever heard. And I listen to podcasts pretty much all my life. Pretty much every fucking hour that I have to spare, I listen to podcasts. This is good, folks. But let me tell you, we're going to finish it up. We're going to finish it up. Carl, I
7: mean, before I go, have you anything?
4: Sorry, have I anything? What? (laughs) I completely lost you there.
2: Have you anything to finish up with man? What's your what give me your give me your give me your out just give me your outline so I can I can wrap
4: No 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 six European Cubs go and watch all the videos, go and look at all the photos of all the players lifting the trophy. That's all you need to do now for the next yeah. three days.
2: Bask. Just go and bask. It is absolutely glorious. It is the best thing that has ever happened to me uh, as a Liverpool supporter. I will not bullshit you folks. Best thing that's ever happened to me, and I was around since Kenny chipped that goal in in Bruges in '78, and I went. I think I like Liverpool. This is and, the best day.
6: Before before you finish, Trev, I think we should all do a huge thanks to you as well. You've been fantastic ah, this season. Great host and and very. You you play a massive part in the whole AI family. The whole whole AI situation and the the, the raw show is certainly one of the most popular and quite really? rightly so. But we've now gone well over two hours, so
2: end <laughs> the fucking podcast. So um, what you're what you saying is...
4: It's literally been longer than the final itself. Uh,
2: it, it has, has been, been longer <laughs> than the final itself. And you know what? We we promised it. And we delivered. So Yet again, AI probably do. We will leave it at that for this episode of Raw, this final episode of this season of Raw, which sees the Reds. Finish as the six times champions of fucking wow. (laughs) Let me thank by finishing you if you're listening. By finishing by telling you if you're listening that we appreciate you immensely. You're our subscribers. You keep us alive. Imagine what we're gonna do. Imagine what we're gonna do. And if you're lurking in the background, will you get on the fucking train? What is this gonna be like? I don't even. I can't even imagine. It's gonna be amazing. I've been Trev Denny until I speak to you again. Be kind to your fellow Reds. They're six times champions of Europe. And stay safe out there.
6: Network.